Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Gil Scott Heron with Lady Day and John Coltrane. Good morning. This is me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM with a special. It is one in our series. In fact, it's number two in the series this year of Jazz Shapers Encore, which means that we have brought back from the dim and distant past a special person, someone who is not just shaping the world of business, but genuinely rocking it. And I'm super pleased to say that my business shaper today, yet again, is John Vincent. And the reason I'm pleased to say that is there's a couple of reasons, actually. The first one is that John was the very first shaper here on jazz fm way way back in uh, 2012 and you're going to be hearing lots from him and alongside john and all the things that he's been doing you'll be hearing from the shapers of the world of jazz soul and blues some fantastic music and on top of all of that if that's not enough for you and i'm sure it is you'll also be hearing some words of advice from our program partners at mishkon Dorea. As regards the music, you're going to hear from Joni Mitchell, Snarky Puppy and this from the Oscar Peterson Trio. That was Oscar Peterson and the Oscar Peterson trio with Sea Jam Blues. John Vincent is here as my jazz shaper encore. As I said, he was interviewed by me in 2012. And at the time, he is, by the way, the founder of Leon Restaurants. I should have said that. And he was also then involved with a business called Chucky Wucky Doodah. Um, and he has done many, many things since. Most notably, for those of you in the know, he has been the architect, along with his partner, Henry Dimbleby, of the School Food Plan, which I can say in a very small way I was involved in very proudly you as were. well. John, thank you so much. Welcome back. Thank you. It's been a long time. It has been. It has been a long, long time. Now, back in 2012, Mm -hmm. you were at the sort of, not the beginning of the adventure with Leon. That was before the world ended, wasn't it? It was before the world ended. Tell me if you can get your head around it. In those four years or so, what's changed beyond the fact you've got loads more restaurants? What's really been going on for John Vincent and the the empire you've started to build? Have you been true to the thing you said to me then, which was, we want to be... If if McDonald's can produce fast food, we want to be the people that produce super healthy fast food. Why can't it be healthy and fast? I think yeah, I think we're doing. I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing. um, We stay true to all the food philosophies, and I think what we've done is we've found something now which works, and we can horrible words scale that we can actually uh, roll out more of. Um, I I think we we we've always had the the idea of if God did fast food I think you know that was certainly that's been the mantra that's been the the idea from the start and we've I think we've definitely stuck to that as part of that we've had to prove that we can create something where we can get from say one restaurant 
to two restaurants to three restaurants to what we've now got 36. I think we sort of feel as if we're in our stride now. We sort of feel that we've we've made a ton of mistakes. Uh, we feel that we've learned from those mistakes. And I think uh, most importantly, we've worked out how we can keep the, the culture, how we can make sure that the manager or the mum and dad, as we call them, uh, in every single restaurant can be as strong as they were in the first restaurant. And that's the key for us. Can we can we make sure that the person running every restaurant is as good and as motivated and as happy and as well as the manager in the first? And I think we've, we're sort of understanding that formula now. So I'm going to come to culture a bit later, but in terms of the things that might be stopping you do that over those these last few years as you've gone from one to two to four to eight and so on and so forth, what have been those obstacles and then how have you continued to sort of fight around them? We've recognised the fact that we've been doing something very new, which is how can you take a, a fast food model and through that model put fresh uh, ingredients and actually create something which is um, very, on the one hand, uh, delicious, uh, does you good, you feel good after you eat it, uh, it's affordable, it's kind to the planet. Doing that in a fast food format has never been done. And so what we've encountered is all sorts of supply chain challenges, all sorts of pricing challenges, how we can actually um, create a menu uh, which actually provides enough uh, profit to be able to then reinvest. Um, lots of challenges, I think, around um, formats. So I think if a lot of people People say innovation is great. I think innovation is the death of many businesses, actually, at a strategic level. I think we've innovated too much around formats. We tried smaller units. Um, we tried units in locations where uh, they needed time to mature. So I think we've now understood very importantly, not just the model of every single restaurant, we've also understood exactly where a Leon should be in terms of the, the property, which is very important. Stay with me for more from my Jazz Shaper Encore guest there. That's John Vincent, the co-founder of Leon, the tasty restaurants in a place near you, hopefully. And if it's not, they will be soon. Time for some music. This is Joni Mitchell with the dry cleaner from Des Moines. Joni Mitchell with the dry cleaner from Des Moines. John Vincent is my business shaper today. As I said, we had him before. We're going to have him again. Um, you were talking earlier. I was asking about those obstacles, and you said, you know, one of the big things you've managed to nail is place, kind of understanding where a, a, a restaurant like yours fits. The other thing you mentioned, importantly, in the was culture, was people, and getting that, that right, and the mum and the dad in, in, in the restaurants. I, I visit regularly, almost every day, oh, um, around London in different places, and you have got a very warm set of people. They are professional, they are fast, and, and yet they also have a sense of fun and they smile at each other. They seem to like each other. How mm. have you maintained that relationship uh, within those things when you're not looking? Well, thank you, first of all, for noticing it. Um, it's something we think about all the time. It's something we talk about all the time. Um, what we've noticed is that if you genuinely love the people who you work with and you genuinely care for their well-being and that is authentic and it's not made up, um, then people respond uh, very warmly to that and they feel that. And so I think the first thing we do is we 
we we have to of course recruit people who are naturally smiley you know it's very easy to make a smiley person not smile through a bad culture but it's not possible i think very easily to take a non-smiley person and make them smiley through a good culture so you need both and so we do very much spot uh, very early on in the recruitment session where we play games uh, we put people into really interesting situations to understand how they would respond things like giant jenga or other other games that we play with them in the recruitment session so you can really see how they would react under pressure then we we really do make sure that we explain as much as we possibly can to them about what we're doing and why so of course there's that classic induction phase and then there is the massive focus on love and positivity and i think probably as chief executive of a major business like an oil business would probably not be not be comfortable talking about love but we sort of do and we are comfortable about it um, and we are comfortable making sure that people also understand that love does not equal acceptance so you can still fire people you can still move people on it does not it does not um, you know equal acceptance but certainly making sure that we genuinely care for people is very important now we also the, the positivity is, is very, very critical to us. And we've got a great guy who I'd encourage anyone to look, at, look him up. He's called Steve Head. And he makes sure that everybody who works at Leon understands the importance of um, accountability and positive living. And that's things like, for example, spotting every opportunity uh, what we call a moment of truth. So any any opportunity that a customer might drop something, they might be looking quizzical, they might have had a bad day, they might have not um, brought their wallet to the restaurant by mistake. Whatever is happening, we train ourselves to look out for moments of truth. Now, it sounds a bit Disney, uh, but it kind of works. And then what we do is we say, right, let's, in in response to that moment of truth, let's create what we call a glimpse of brilliance. Again, very American, but it works for us. Um, and it, that glimpse of brilliance is the good thing that the team member does in response to the moment of truth. So, for example, at Bankside, someone's bugaboo um, tyre burst, and Charlie, the manager, went to the local bike shop and got a repair kit and actually mended the tyre. That's the sort of thing. You know, we, we talk about more than any other organisation, we want to be the fourth emergency service. We want to be there so that, you know, I, I, I want it to be such that if someone's having a problem on the underground or someone's having a problem in the airport and they see a Leon person, they think, ah, oh, that Leon person's going to help me. And that extends way beyond the restaurants as well as that particular moment within the restaurants. And, and, and then every single restaurant keeps what we call a god book, which is stories of all the good things that happen really important phrase you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar and and we ha we have to catch people doing things right that's what makes people do more good things stay with me for much more from my fantastic jazz shaper here today my business shaper john vincent he's the co-founder of leon and he's going to reveal more secrets of how to have a happy business which is also a very successful business ladies travel in a couple of minutes and before that some words of wisdom i hope from our program partners at mishkon Durea. Hi, I'm Richard Leadham, Head of Insurance Litigation at Mishkondorea. One of the things I always say to clients who come to me with a claim, whether it's against an insurance company or some sort of other financial institution, is be prepared to be in it for the long run because the opponents will try and wear you down. And that applies whether you're an individual or a relatively large company yourselves. Some of these institutions are set up to try and drive you um, to distraction and abandon the claim. So having the stamina and the appetite is very important. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with a bit of a twist today. It's Jazz Shapers Encore. And we do this very occasionally with special people that have oh, come lovely. back. No, don't you get excited over <laughs> Special people that have, we've been invited to come back here and talk to us about what's been going on in their business and, and how they've grown in my business shape. Yeah, you can hear him cackling over there. It's John cackling. Vincent, um, MBE now, in fact, yeah, MBE and um, co-founder of Leon Restaurants, which will be going international soon. We can talk about that in a moment. But I, I want to talk about the MBE, John, just for a moment moment and and it actually goes right back to purpose for you and kind of why you set up the leon business Mm -hmm. it's all about healthy food it's all about scalable food for everybody you you focus you were asked to focus i believe um by then michael gove i think was the secretary for education Mm -hmm. on help us understand how we can deliver healthy food in schools Mm -hmm. just talk to me a little bit about what what you were asked to do and what your response was and what's what's happening right now yeah, I think I think Michael Michael Gove was it's a very interesting time because Michael Gove was making a lot of uh, previously um, sort of council authority schools. Um, he was making a lot of the academies. I know that a lot of your listeners will have opinions on that about whether that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Uh, very certainly, a lot of um, controversy around that. But what was fascinating at the time was um, Jamie Oliver had done, as we all know, had done a huge amount to raise the awareness of the problem. Um, but not enough was being done to actually make the problem go away. And what Michael Gove wanted us to do was initially a report on what he was going to do to actually solve the problem and actually make sure that children were eating well in school and that he could define the role of food in schools more broadly. And what what, what we were keen to do was to not do a report. What we wanted to do was to make a difference and we wanted instead to have a whole bunch of actions that were signed off prior to publication. So our big fear was, here you go, Mr. Mr. You know, here we go, Mr. 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 Minister. Please go away, and in six months, nine months' time, come back and tell us what you thought about our recommendations. That's not really our style. So what we said was, everything had to be signed off. Um, everything had to be very, very positive. So you know, we again we recognised the fact that the, the the industry was going to go into lockdown if we only found the stuff that was not working. The whole s- sector would have gone down into lockdown and refused to work with us. So we felt that again, just as with Leon, we could take the principle of spotting what was going right in different schools all over the country and actually make more of that happen and as a result of being positive as a result of being action focused as a result of being very data driven but also very very consensual working not just with the toys but with labor with lib dems with local authorities with the with the um private sector with all of the head teachers the unions the immediate everybody jamie himself by by creating consensus for the first time we actually got some results what did we get we got free school meals for the first three years of school because it's a fixed cost business by suddenly making them universally free in infants and hopefully one day in primary suddenly the economics make sense for everybody it was underwater economically because it was only 43 percent um, take up which means that with all the fixed costs it was it was broken the second thing is we got um cooking on the curriculum practical cooking of savory dishes on the curriculum for the first time we also got hundreds of thousands of children in under in underprivileged areas having f- uh, breakfasts uh, for the first time. We also got Ofsted involved. We got new regulations, very simple regulations about what can and can't be served in schools um, and actually a whole lot more. And actually what we found was that by bringing everyone together, there was huge positive momentum, which still exists in the sector, that we can sort it out. We can make a difference. And I think the legacy is 
millions of children eating better as a result of it. We've got gardens. All London schools committed to having gardens where they actually grow the stuff. If kids grow a strawberry or grow a cucumber or grow a cabbage, they eat it. It, it stops being alien food. And I think that's what we've succeeded in doing. It's been a pretty extraordinary success. And as you said, the legacy is still there. <clears throat> more coming up from John, my business shaper today, but we've got some more music. This is Snarky Puppy and Magda Giannico with Amortella. That was Amor Tela from Snarky Puppy and Magda Janico. I hope I've said that properly. John, when you were just talking then, it struck me that um, you are obviously super proud of this business that you have created um, along with all the, the team and, and with Henry and, and, and board and so on. The look in your eyes, you were just talking then without being kind of soppy, mm. was a different kind of look. It kind of elevates itself. Is it... Uh, it was obviously... Um, I mean, you work really hard and business in mm. politics doesn't often play very well. It's a kind of mm. oil and water mm. and things like mm. that. How did you feel once you knew that the actions had been signed off and how do you feel today about it? Vis-a-vis um, -vis the way you feel about a success, a moment, a glimpse of brilliance in your business. I think any any person who is in business always um, feels that they... There's a question mark, isn't there, about have they contributed more widely to society, if it exists, if let's not have the Thatcher debate. But um, I, I, I do feel extremely pleased to have um, taken some of the principles that I've learnt in business and life more broadly and actually put them into practice in the public sector. There are a lot of demoralised people, unfortunately, in the public sector. And what we noticed in schools is that there is so much latent expertise and passion that wasn't always being tapped. My fear in the public sector is that a lot of people have been browbeaten and beaten down and the culture that exists in the civil service in pockets, um, the culture that exists sometimes in schools can be quite um, tired. There's a sort of cynicism or scepticism or tiredness sometimes to people that are having to work in the public sector. And I think that what we've proved is that there are entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, there are leaders that if given um, positivity and if given support and given opportunity can do remarkable things in their schools. I'm actually very, very positive about what is happening in education in the state sector. I think the state sector is going to bankrupt a lot of private schools across the, across the next 10 years, not only because people can't afford public, private schools, but also pub, uh, state schools are becoming unbelievably brilliant. Mm. And it's because of leadership. And what we're suddenly seeing, and I think the school food plan was just one part of this, we're starting to see amazing leadership in our public sector in schools because of the head teachers, uh, because of the support they're getting from their senior uh, teams in our case the support they're getting from the chefs I think we are about to see a golden age of education in this country and I think the school food plan is just one part of it and I'm just so pleased to have been part of it and seen what's happening now when we met four years ago something else that's just striking me as we're talking is we talk about leadership just then you were quite a different person I think then in terms of the way you 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 were talking about your business you seem much more focused now you seem much more settled 
and That's happier. Good insight. And, yeah, and, and also, therefore, more measured. And I don't mean you weren't no, measured fair to, to, in 2012, yeah. but there's something, there's a, a calm steeliness. Whereas before, there were lots of things for you. There was lots of investments, there was this and that. You seem 100% focused on the message and the mission. Is that, is that right? Do you feel I've, it in yourself? That's a, what I have to congratulate you on that insight because I. I've had some really interesting support, I guess, coaching from people and some stuff that's happened in my life, which has made me comfortable in focusing. I, I mean, I guess it's almost therapy, I guess, or I guess advice that I've had from people around not being a perfectionist in life and also preparing to master something. I read a great book um, called The Great Work of Your Life that I was advised to, to read by a coach called Amy. And it's it's been a remarkable book for me. It's based on the Bhagavad Gita, which is a Hindu script. And it's actually a Western book written by a guy called Stephen Cope. It's the great work of your life. And what, what it says is choose one thing, focus on it, practice it hard in a kind of bounce, kind of, you know, Malcolm Gladwell kind of way, and then give up the fruits. And that's the key thing. Give up the fruits of money, give up the fruits of fame and recognize that happiness comes from mastering something. It comes from choosing one thing. And so I've chosen Leon as the thing. I've chosen, um, you know, reinventing fast food in a good way to provide you know, goodness for society. That I've chosen that to be my thing, and I've, I, I think I probably, you know, Elliot, you probably went to a very, very similar school to to me. But I think you know, very much sort of grew up in a sort of North London. You can do it all. In fact, you kind of must do it all. Kind of culture, and I think I've I found much more peace about saying this is the thing I'm going to do and I don't have to be the thousand other things I could have been. And I think, you know, the the whole principle of mastery and being very good at one thing has been, I found a lot of peace in that and maybe you recognise that very insightfully uh, versus four years ago. We'll have a final chat with our calm business shaper <laughs> today and very focused business shaper, John Vincent. Plus we'll be playing some music from Dizzy Gillespie. That's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. A jaunty and bouncy number there from Dizzy Gillespie with For the Gypsies. Just for a few more precious minutes, my business shaper today, Encore, I should add, is John Vincent. And we've been talking about focus and mastery and calmness, which comes from that, which is fantastic. The business is going fantastically, John. You can now look back, and I know the MBE is, it is what it is, but it's recognition that you've done something which is of value to that notion of society, if we buy into the notion that there is a society, mm-hmm. and I certainly do, for the record. Um what does the future hold? Is it just becoming even better and better and letting go of more and more of the fruits? Um, for Leon? For Leon for and for um, you, um, for both of you. I, I would love to, um, I'd love to see um, Leon become what I think it can be. I think there will be one, um, one company which uh, becomes successful in this space of, of good fast food. I would very much like that to be Leon. I, I look at what we've achieved um, with things like the school food plan, given the clout that we've got today, and I think, what if, what if we had uh, restaurants across one day, one day across America or across France, uh, across Russia, <laughs> across China, um, potentially the 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 relationships that would exist then between 
um, all of the Leon restaurants across those countries. The I guess the media power that we'd have, the ability to influence things positively. You know, today we probably serve 150,000, you know, easily people people a week. The media power that we can have when, when it's 10 or 100 times that will be very positive. And I think that the relationships that we have with our customers in 10 and 20 years' time, I'm hoping will actually allow us to be a positive force for good. And I see my role very much as making sure that we've got the right food, making sure that my, everybody at Leon is happy. I see myself, my role for primarily is the well-being warrior, someone who actually does make sure that primarily the well-being of every single person at Leon is, is at the forefront of what we do. And I look forward to really doing that for many years, if, if I can, if I'm God willing, if I'm still, still mm. alive. Now, that focus and that energy that you talk about, and I know um, because I know you and I know th- mm. the way that, that you operate um, in your business, at least I hear it, from lots of other people, there are just ideas aplenty. How do you manage the million ideas a minute mm. with the calmness and the focus? How do you, as you go forward, because people always want to know this, how do you know when it's going to be a winner or not? Because you're going to have, you are going to have 50 ideas. How do you know that's mm. the one to talk to the team about and deploy? I think that story, I think I might have, I don't know whether I've mentioned this to you offline actually, Elliot, but the, the, the story of Nick Park who had to pitch... Uh, the chicken run. So he was flown to America and there was a big board of people and they said, so Nick, what's your idea? I don't know what accent that is, but work with me. Um, and, um, and he says, well, it's, uh, it's like the great escape, but with chickens. <laughs> and they're like, go on. And he's like, no, no, that's it. Uh, and, uh, and so I think having the central organising idea of if God did fast food, the first thing I do whenever I have a good or not so good idea is I test it against that central organising principle, if you like, that idea. Does it make sense given that? Does, does it pass that very high level if God did fast food, fast food in heaven type test? Then what I, I think it's very important to, tra- to train your people, your people, my, my, your colleagues, the people you work with, train them and to remind themselves to challenge you so so quite often they'll say john but that doesn't make sense does it given what we're doing and i think you need to be prepared as a leader to go, god your goodness you're so right that doesn't make sense you know where wherever this idea came from it doesn't fit actually what we should be doing right now so i think there are there are always people in leon prepared to put their hand up and say john that's wrong the the the, the the task comes when you have to play your joker and you have to override that and you have to say everybody I know that none of you think this is the right idea but I'm playing my joker as co-founder as leader and we're going to do this and it, and it's and it's making sure that you've got the support I guess you you haven't lost the dressing room you've got the support of the players who say you know what boss we're going to do that with you and I think having people having enough trust that you've got enough of a track record in the decisions you make and that you're prepared to you know not blame anyone else if they don't work out it's having a team that go boss we don't agree with you but we're going to fight you know we're going to go with you now we're going to go over the top with you um on this idea and i think that's important as well listen john we're going to run out of time really quickly Mm -hmm. um Good luck. Keep playing the jokers. Probably not too many. Yeah, I imagine you. there's going to be a limit, a limit to that one, especially if they stop yeah. working. Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic catching up with you. It sounds like you're you're going gangbusters yeah. and the business is going gangbusters. And I really do wish you all the best. Well, you're very nice. You know. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks and, for and just me. before I let you disappear out of the room, um, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, my wife Katie has um, is doing a program for BBC Four called "The Girl from Ipanema," and it's basically using that song, very famous song, to describe and to 
to explain bossa nova um, and she um, went to the house um, uh, where someone called Tom or actually his full name Antonio Carlos uh, Jobim wrote and he actually wrote the Gulf of and he wrote a uh, another song called Agua de Marso which I think I've pronounced correctly you you someone job. can someone of the, we'll, we'll probably get letters we'll get tweets we'll get tweets you want to abuse John <laughs> you're welcome if I've, if I've mispronounced anything let me know uh, but, but it's a nice song it's Good. a nice tune so yeah that's that's this fantastic so, yeah. here it is thank you so much é pau é pedra é o fim do caminho é o resto de toco é um pouco sozinho é um caco de vidro é a vida é o sol é a noite é a morte é o laço é o anzol é peroba do cão é o nó da madeira canga, é uma tita pereira é madeira de vento that was Aguas de Marso from Antonio Carlos Jobim and Ellis Regina, the song choice of my business shaper today, Mr. Encore himself, John Vincent. Boy, have things moved on for him and the Leon business, all predicated on their central organising principle of if God did fast food, what would it look like? He has really focused on one thing following the advice of that book he was talking about. He's focused on it, he's practised it hard and he's given up the fruits, as he said, of money and fame. And in the meantime, has managed to um, do very good things with food in schools. It's really a very inspirational story. Do join me again, same time, same place, for another edition of Jazz Shapers and in the future soon... Also, we will have another encore guest uh, here, especially for you. But right now, and very excitingly, here on Jazz FM, we are going over live to Glime Place, where we are going to be joining Nigel Williams and the Love Supreme Festival. We've got interviews with the artists, we've got live music, and a lot more, not just today, but all over the weekend. Make sure you stay with us here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.